It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Monday, March 27th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is starting to be a little unsure about these wins, Russ. Yeah, it's it's conflicting, but I do have an answer about it. All right. Well, we are going to talk about that win against the Detroit Red Wings. We've got some uh, retirement news as well as our nemesis of the week all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Flyers. That is where you can keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our latest episodes. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail. You can also subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, man, a lot of stuff going on in and around the Flyers orbit in the past week or so. Uh, I think you know, the Steve Coates retirement announcement mm-hmm. was both surprising and unsurprising at the same time. It's like, yeah, of course he deserves a retirement. Uh, but he just feels like one of those guys that you expected to be with the team forever. Yeah. I, I just felt like um, this was inevitable and that's no slight to Coatsy. It just felt like, you know, it was going to happen maybe within the next couple of years. So, you know, I'm happy for him because I think, He'll have fun in retirement. He likes golfing. I think this would be great for him. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Yeah, congratulations to him on a remarkable career. Always love Coetzee. A real firebrand. Really appreciated Coetzee's corner. That was some good times back in the day. And uh, his radio partner, Tim Saunders, honored for 25 years at the mic doing play-by-play. And uh, sometimes I will like mute the TV broadcast and listen to the radio just to hear Tim's voice because the way he calls like exciting plays is really fun. Yeah, no, Tim is great. He 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 can really ratchet up his voice. Uh, I appreciate him. He's terrific, and yeah, so well deserved, and he's still going strong. We got some maybe news. I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent, but via uh, Elliot Friedman, he seemed to confirm that Cutter Gaultier is going to go back to Boston College next year, which is something that we've been talking about as There's no surprise. a most likely scenario. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been saying all year that he's going back. And so there's there's no surprise there. Yeah. He's got such a, a strong opportunity there to you know continue his college career. They've got some excellent commits yep. for next season. And, you know, considering that they didn't make the tournament, Uh, I think that's something that they'll be working toward for next season. Be good for him to have a run in the Frozen Four tournament, which I think, given the personnel they'll have, I I think is a much bigger possibility than it was this year. Yeah, no question. I mean, those those are big factors. And so, yeah, I mean, nobody should be surprised. It's the best thing for him. 
uh, on the other side of prospect news uh, with Tyson Forster and Agar Zamula, they did send those guys back down mm-hmm. to the Phantoms for the Sunday game. Uh, obviously, they played on Saturday uh, with the Flyers right. and not the Phantoms who had a game of their own. I got to say, you know, Tyson Forster, I think, did himself a real solid three goals, four assists, mm-hmm. seven points in eight games. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's a good little window. He's got things to work on. And if he has a good summer, he has a chance to make the team. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And and hopefully he can, you know, take that energy back down to the phantoms. Yeah. And because I think it really just built his confidence uh, with, you know, learning whether or not he can translate some of the things that he does best at the NHL level, learning what he needs to improve mm-hmm. on. And I, I think, you know, similar can be said for Agar Zamula. I'm glad, you know, he got at least, you know, some ice time in the games that he was up for. I think he got more ice time than he did um, earlier in the season. And um, I, I think, First off, it's amazing to see him on the ice, especially next to some of the shorter guys, because he's just so huge. But I think he was able to like really show a little bit more of what he's learned um, from his time on the Phantoms this year. Yeah, no question. I mean, I I think there's still something there with Zamula. Uh, It's not so much that there's going to be a lot of offense there now. Uh, but he's a good puck mover. He makes good decisions. He's a good passer. So he can get some points, but I don't look at him as a high point guy, but still could be an NHL depth guy. So that it is good. And look, we all know Ronnie Adderd's coming up next week. So that that's the next one. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll have more of the same results. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Emil Andre made his Phantoms debut on Saturday. We'll get more into it on tomorrow's show for Phantoms Tuesday, but he did get his first AHL point. It was a secondary assist on a power play goal uh, that Anisimov scored. And I have to say, you know, not to save all of it for tomorrow, but with it, Andre being a smaller guy watching the celebration circle when Anisimov scored and the height differential yeah. between Anisimov and Andre was just hilarious. Yeah, that, that stuff's fun. But honestly, he he is their um, best offensive defenseman prospect. He is like Cam yeah. York's past the prospect stage, so we won't count him. And he's better than Adder at the moment. So that's he's the guy that technically could run the future power play like that's that's the kind of talent he does have. So you have to uh, hope that it all keeps going smoothly. And I I think it will. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, And we'll report back tomorrow on the second game of the weekend and, and how things are looking for the Phantoms. Meanwhile, for the Flyers, they did defeat the Detroit Red Wings. And this was one of those games to me where it was a combination of the Flyers doing a few things well and Detroit like just, just being in a not awful. getting it together. Yeah, they just couldn't yeah. they couldn't get it together. Uh they're you know, sure, the, the the Flyers penalty kill gets credit for being seven for seven, but you could see in some of those power plays, Detroit could just never get it going. And no. And so and Carter Hart was fine. Like he had a shutout, but this wasn't the game. He made like two great saves, you know, one of them at the end. But again, it wasn't a game where Carter Hart was under siege all game or had to make amazing saves. He had 29 saves. It it was a pretty, you know, just solid start. That's it. He was locked in. He definitely didn't get tested as much as he would from some other teams. But again, that's what happens at the end of the season. There's a lot of fool's gold, you know, like 
Schwartz is always going to have his teams playing hard enough that there's a level that is going to get past other teams because they're just not at that level anymore. The level of caring, the level of whatever. So, you know, and maybe even the level of threat for their jobs next year, right? So that all plays into it. The only problem here, and I had a big conversation with Kevin Durso uh, post-game when we were done doing our our writing, and that was basically had the – and he he started it by saying had the Flyers started the youth movement in January, which, again – they weren't going to do because Connecty was still there and they still had these delusions that they were still in it. We know that. Um, but had they started it then, uh, they would have gotten more time for the young players and a lot more of the young players. There wouldn't be restrictions on call-ups or anything like that. And they would have not won as many games in the process. And they wouldn't be like seventh or eighth when it all said and done for the lottery. That was the perfect scenario for them. They were never going to be the worst team in the league. They couldn't bottom out and be worst, even if they tried. But they could have done that. And that is a calculation and a choice. And that's going to be the choice that, you know, because now if they keep winning like this, they're going to be like eighth. And if you're eighth, you really have no shot at the top three. Like you just, you're out of it. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about that. I think it's a mathematical shot, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying for that strategy of maybe starting this youth movement in January, I think there's a lot of truth to it. But also, I feel like some of the guys got some additional development and growth in the interim. And so would that have done some harm to bring like a Tyson Forrester up in January as opposed to now? Could be, maybe not. But I think that, you know, that's part of the calculation, too, is like, would you have gotten the same players in that youth movement in January as you're getting now? I don't think so. Maybe not, but you still would have gotten improvement and you would have had Mm -hmm. a better result in the draft. No matter what, you would have had a better result. And the one thing we've all said that the Flyers are lacking is a true star. They don't have one. They don't have one in their system. Even, you know, we like Tyson Forrester. He's going to be a really nice second-line player, really good. He's going to score goals. We like Cutter Galche a lot, probably another really good second-line player. Maybe he plays on the first. You know, maybe he excels to that, but still not a necessary, like a star in a league where he's like a top 15 player in the league. But had you gone in that top three in this draft, you could be getting it, you know, in a future top 15 player in the league. And that is something where... That's what gets some of these teams over the hump. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah, I think so too. Like I said, I I think it's, you know, there's two different ways to look at it. And and I think that, um, you know, both are, are valid in this case, that, that that is an absolutely appropriate strategy. But at the same time, there, there could have been some hits on the prospects if you go with that January strategy. But we have a lot more to talk about uh, along these lines, as well as with that Detroit game. And we will do that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1 by Athletic Greens. Keeping up with proper nutrition is really hard. You're busy. You're stuck at your desk. You're eating whatever you can just to get through the day. But what if you could start your day with the ultimate daily nutritional insurance? With a scoop of AG1 and a glass of water, you could do just that and absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, 
whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day, which isn't sustainable. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own, all for around $3 a day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Russ, so more along these lines for the game against Detroit. I think that, you know, obviously we talked about that penalty kill being successful, but the problem is you got to stay out of the box. I mean, there were some not great penalties taken in in that game. And oh, you mean like the double minor by Tony D'Angelo? Yeah. Is that what you mean? To name one. Or yes. the two that start off the game, like in the first seven minutes of the game, you you already had all those penalty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I I looked at the minutes and I think there was like 37 plus minutes of that game played at five on five, yeah. which is absolutely bonkers. It is. Like more than a whole period of the game was, you know, some sort of power play penalty kill situation. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, and it probably affected them for a little while in the game. Uh, Scott Lawn didn't necessarily own up to that, but um, but it probably did. You know, something else that was happening in that game because of that and also just in general, I noticed that Wade Allison had been getting less minutes, fewer minutes. Yeah. And so this is another trend now that I'm worried about um, for him, for even if he's going to play somewhere else. Like, I think um, John Tortorella may be tired of him already based on what he had said about his injuries and this still um, – I would still like to see him be able to finish out the season strong so he can get a job somewhere else. Like that's where I'm at for Wade Allison. Yeah, I can see that. And that's a good segue to talk about ice time adjustments that have been happening. Um, You know, obviously with this youth movement and trying to get these kids some ice time, other people are getting less ice time. Scott Lawton, who you just mentioned is, is one of those guys, Uh, but he's still quietly going about his business and hit the, 40 point mark for the first time in his career, which is really great. And it just got me thinking a lot about the leadership aspect, you know, and the role that he's taken this year. Um, You know, I was kind of skeptical when he was like the one guy that Torts gave the A to. And I was like, seems a little out of place or, you know, why him of of anybody? And um, the more and more this season has progressed, the more I like it. I think that he is, you know, done what's asked of him. He puts forth the effort every game. He does make some mistakes. But at the same time, I think he just the way he talks about the game is really thoughtful and I, I just think on and off the ice, he has turned into a real leader in this locker room. Yeah. I mean, but then just give him the C and give others the A. You, just There is no point well, to 1A. There's no point of that. I will never be behind that, ever. Right. But I think that, it, it, like, that, sh- you know, that train has left the station. And so this is more looking. Well, not for next year. Season. I mean. Lo- lo- right. That's what I'm saying. It's like next year. 
I think that it's he should be seriously considered for this thing. No, I think he's going to get it. I think based on the way the coach is talking, he's going to get it. Because, you know, Sean Couturier yeah. was the guy that was sort of on track for it, but he hasn't played in two years. So that's going to hurt right. him in that in that regard. But you can give him an A. Couturier would get an A. That's fine. Yeah. And, and then you yeah. worry about who the other A is. Right. And then, you know, as far as the other ice time adjustments, you know, Wade Allison is definitely one of them because, you know, the kids are getting more ice time, but he's not one of them. And and that's definitely of concern. Um, and then some guys are getting different kinds of ice time to be put in different situations. And so Morgan Frost spent some real quality time on the PK. Now they had to be on the PK a lot in that game. So, you know, it's not every game he's going to get two plus minutes in PK situations. But I, I do think that, you know, and he talked about it after the game in the locker room. And I thought that, you know, he had a lot of good things to say about, you know, wanting those opportunities and really trying to absorb everything he could from the guys around him and talking on the bench afterwards mm -hmm. and asking a lot of questions. And I, I think that, you know, that's the kind of maturity you want to see from a guy like him. Yeah, no question. I think it was good for Frost. I think it's bad for Tippett. I think it's going to make him struggle offensively because he was never really in position on the penalty kill. He's like a step behind. He lost the puck a few times in a few bad spots. I think mm -hmm. keep keep him off of that. He's got enough worries just trying to hit the net. Like, again, he, you know, he had wide open shot and he, and he missed the net. Those are things that really have to get cured that's not a bad thing right to, to not no, put it's, 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 it's just kill. saying hey we think he's good for you know 17 minutes on the ice we'd like him in all offensive situations that's not a negative no not at all but i think if he's struggling on the penalty kill it's going to affect his offense that's my worry i saw it happening yes, yesterday that is true yeah yeah, a little bit. I can see that. Um, I just, I really like the idea of getting Morgan Frost up to speed on the PK, yes. you know, especially because he has been better on faceoffs mm -hmm. in a lot of situations. To, so to have him available to take defensive zone faceoffs on the penalty kill and know what to do otherwise is a really good thing. Yeah, that was the only thing. Detroit through two periods was doing so much better than the Flyers on faceoffs, but it didn't really hurt. That's still in Larkin, though. Yeah, a lot of it was still in Larkin. And yeah. But that's, again, that goes back to our top 15, top 20 player discussion. The Flyers don't have a Dylan Larkin. Like you saw even on a play where Dylan Larkin mm -hmm. was totally interfered with and they kind of were like, eh, it's on the edge. They didn't call it. And he still was able to get the puck and get it in the offensive zone. It's hard to get the puck away from Dylan Larkin. Like that's true. It really is. And uh, I do also want to talk about Joel Farabee because his goal streak ended, yes. but I thought he still looked really good out there and was very highly engaged. And so I, I don't have any problem with him not getting on the board in this no. one, especially, you know, in the empty net situation, it got dished off to Tyson Forster, who was in a better position to score. So that was the right. It move. was the right move. And, and that's fine. I think um, I was not surprised at that. I knew Forster was going to go down. So I figured they, wanted to let him go down on a good note so that all worked yeah. out that that was fine yeah but uh I, I definitely am excited to see what joel Farabee can do for the rest of the season because i think he is re-energized in, in a way he that is. will bode well for him he is and and hopefully he does finish strong that would be important for him he does need to have a really kind of different conditioning summer um maybe mm -hmm. if he's smart he even talks to jack eichel and see what he did because clearly what Eichel did and 
what Joel Farabee did were different. Even though Farabee got rushed back a little, Eichel, you know, definitely is more like himself than Farabee is. So nothing wrong with talking to a guy and say, hey, how did you deal with this? Yeah, I think so too. Uh, at least one final note for me. I hope when they bring up Ronnie Adderd on the D side that they don't do this 11 forward 7D thing <laughs> to limit his minutes because I think Ronnie Adderd is a different defenseman than Igor Zamula. And I think he needs to be in a regular pairing in order and not in a rotation. I agree. To make his time successful. But I could see the first game being 11 7. It's almost a guarantee. I know. I'm just putting it I out know, there. No, no, the I get it. Right? I get it. I do. You're right, right. But I just, the feelings the other way are too strong. Yeah. All right. We are going to come back in a sec and we are going to name our nemesis of the week plus check in on our college hockey prospects. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year, but I don't want to compromise on taste. And if you're like me, Built is just the thing for you. Healthy is actually tasty. And what makes Built Bar so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. On the healthy side, they're only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. You can still do that, but now you can also get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Head to your nearest Walmart today while to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can get a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie, batter, and churro. You can thank me later. All right, Russ, before we get into our nemesis of the week, a little college hockey catch-up. The Frozen Four tournament is underway, and we've got a few prospects involved. And uh, first, I want to talk about University of Minnesota. They won their region, Mm -hmm. uh, defeating St. Cloud State to make it to the Frozen Four. And Flyers prospect Bryce Brodzinski was named the most outstanding player for the Fargo region, uh, made the all Fargo regional team. He had uh, three goals and an assist versus Canisius in that nine to two win and a goal versus St. Cloud State in that win as well. So good on Bryce. Yeah, he's been energized. I watched him last night. The skating's been real good. I mean, Canisius is kind of like a lousy team, but... That's okay. I mean, he, he's doing well. And, you know, the Flyers will sign him and we'll see what he can do. We'll talk about him in a future episode. But no, I was happy for him. Yeah. And then uh, Boston University, home of Jay O'Brien and Devin Kaplan, won over Cornell. Um, for a while, I thought that game was like locked. And then all of a sudden, Cornell made it a, an exciting they one did. at the end of it. But, but uh, BU did win. And, and so those two teams will now face each other in the semifinal. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. It's good experience for those guys. Uh, Kaplan definitely going to stay a flyer. I don't think they're signing Jay O'Brien, but you know my feelings on that one. And we'll see. Yep. <laughs> I think even if Jay O'Brien scores a hat trick in his next game, they won't sign him. To be determined, but uh, we think we know where that one is going. Uh, switching over to our nemesis of the week. 
Uh, if you're newer to Locked On Flyers, each and every Monday, we look at the week ahead and say, what is the biggest obstacle or frustration for us in Flyers land or in the world of hockey? Last week, we talked about loser points. Uh, we've gotten all these like overtime points and they were harding the lottery chances in kind of they were losing all these games, but gaining that point. And so we just wanted them to win or lose in regulation. And maybe we wish too hard because now the nemesis this week for me is winner points <laughs> in that uh, they've won four games in a row and they're now in seventh in the Tankathon sweepstakes, uh, which by the way, San Jose is now in the number one spot. They took over from Columbus, much to the chagrin of our friend Jay over at Locked on Columbus Blue Jackets. But uh, that being said, uh, yeah, I think, you know, especially with the matchups this week, we're facing Montreal, Ottawa, and Buffalo, which are all winnable games, I would say. I mean, the Sens game may be less so, but, um, you know, you don't want them to lose, you know, for the sake of losing. But I think I just want these to be regulation decisions. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that. Yeah, my, my nemesis is just the split in the fan base for, you know, wanting a complete tank and to lose every game and wanting to just, you know, what we talked about um, a segment beforehand. And it's there is a fine line. Like I said, they weren't going to bottom out. But in the end, could they have a better chance than maybe like 5%, which is what they might end up with? Yeah, they could have had a better chance at that. But again... This all flows in the face of the Flyers still not having a cohesive plan. Like, we don't know. Their their plan's not cohesive. Their front office isn't set. There's so much uh, that's up in the air right now, and it's affecting them still. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And, you know, I, I do go back and forth with all of this because I am like, I just want them to win. If they're going to win, they should win. And I want guys playing well, and I want them you know, going into the next season with some confidence. But really, you know, Adam Fantilli would be really nice. I mean, <laughs> you know? I, I watched him again in Lehigh, and this is at the end of the season. I've seen him last I've seen him for the last two years, and now I'm seeing him at the end of the season. And I think he's got um as much talent as Austin Matthews. I know. It's like not even Connor Bedard. It's yeah. like it's like, oh, Fantilli is really, really good, too. Yeah. And like even moving up to having like the better odds to move up to the two slot, right. I think would be just as impactful would be. on the Flyers. So, um, yeah, mixed mixed emotions for me here. And uh, I'm not sure what the right answer is, but I, I, I know the wrong answer for me, at least, is like purposefully losing games. And I would never, never advocate for that. That's fine. And I get that. But uh, accidentally losing games. Yeah. Hey, know. we dropped a few. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right. That will do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. We're going to preview the game against Montreal and do our Phantoms Tuesday. There will be plenty to talk about there on that front with two games to dig into. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. You can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail, or you can comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. 
Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen today. Now make your next listen, Game to Game NHL. It's every moment, every top performance, and every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. It's in your Locked On NHL feed wherever you get podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.